Given that women make 80% of the healthcare buying decisions and 65% of healthcare workforce in the United States, and yet continue to lag behind men in the percentage of healthcare leadership roles, we still have more work to do to close the gap. One sector of healthcare where women are significantly underrepresented is at the intersection of venture capital and health tech, where women constitute less than 15% of founders. In this special edition of Her Story, we're digging into how two trailblazing founders and alumni of Forbes 30 Under 30, Hallie Teckle and Carolyn Witte, overcame the odds of building women's health companies. First, we hear from two-time founder Hallie Teckle, who built Rock Health, the first venture fund dedicated to digital health, and most recently, Natalist, a science-backed fertility products company. Hallie is currently the founder, president, and chief women's health officer of Natalist. Yes, there still are very few women in VC, and I think my confidence has only grown over time. And when I was early on, I definitely had a lot of imposter syndrome and felt like I didn't necessarily belong or I had to really prove myself where there are ample research studies that show that women are evaluated based on what they've accomplished, whereas men are evaluated based on what their potential is. And so that puts women at a disadvantage for coming up with new things. And who was I to start a fund with very little work experience, very little healthcare experience? And I certainly heard that from some people. I had one reporter who was just so nasty and would write just really inappropriate things. He would comment on what I wore to a healthcare conference in DC. He literally wrote how I came to a conference in jeans. How dare I go in jeans? And there were people that made it really difficult for me in the beginning. And I definitely had a lot of fears of being caught that I was a fraud or I wasn't eligible to do what I was doing. But at the end of the day, I raised the money. I ran the fund. We made good investments. We hired amazing people. And Rock Health is a a complete success story in digital health. And I'm so proud of what the team has accomplished. Yes, I faced it. But now that I'm kind of like on the other side of it, where I have proven myself, it is a completely different professional experience for me. And I now have a ton of privilege, more respect, more proof that I've been able to accomplish things. And I use that privilege now to call out injustices that I see in the space. If there's one area where it is most disappointing to me that women are underrepresented, it's within women's health. Because I do believe having the firsthand experience of facing the issues that you're trying to solve is invaluable as a founder, as an employee of a women's health company. And so that really opened my eyes to, okay, there are two opportunities here. One is that women's health is underfunded. There's a lot of opportunity to solve problems that have been unaddressed. Then the other is women have been underfunded. And so combining these two was a really exciting opportunity for me. And so I just started spending more and more time on women's health than other sectors. So there are a lot of places to become an expert within digital health. And I just felt the pull to women's health from my own health experiences, from seeing the amazing business opportunity, and then seeing the women that are courageous enough to work in this space with being totally underfunded and still making it happen. I was continuing to invest and continuing to support 
rock health, but at the same time going through some struggles on my own, in my own personal health, which had to do with fertility. And it opened my eyes to the opportunity that there is in the fertility space. And so at first I said, this is going to be in 2016, I declared on Twitter, I was like, I'm dedicating the next few years to this space. I'm going to find companies in this space. There's just ample opportunity to make the fertility experience better, more transparent, more affordable for women. And so I did, I invested in a couple of companies in this space in fertility and women's health in general, including Kind Body, Everly Well, Tia, and I was able to scratch some of that itch. But one of the things that I noticed was just the physical over-the-counter retail products that were required. And these are technically medical devices, but their consumer really, in my mind, felt more clinical than consumer. And so realizing that I had the courage to build a medical device, I'm not afraid of that, yet had the consumer experience, had the empathy to build a brand around it that is really consumer and millennial friendly, couldn't like get this idea out of my head. And so I actually tried to find companies working on this. I couldn't find any companies working on it. So I started interviewing potential CEOs. And so I I had two folks that I had identified and I started interviewing and I was like, I'll fund this. I'll be on your board. I'll be supportive and you'll run it. And both of them were excited about the opportunity. But at the end of the day, I felt like I would have driven them crazy because I had so many ideas and so many opinions about what needed to happen. And so I remember coming home and I told my husband, I'm like, at this point, we had a one-year-old at the time. And I had a very cushy setup. I was teaching in the spring, investing on my own terms. I had all the flexibility I needed. And he was like, are you sure? (laughs) And I was like, yes, I can't get this concept out of my head. It needs to exist. Next up is Carolyn Witte, co-founder and CEO of TIA, the modern day medical home for women. I grew up in an environment in which risk-taking and thinking about the world differently was dinner table conversation, so to speak. Every challenge that I then quickly faced on the very long and treacherous journey that it is becoming a, you know, a healthcare founder building a company, having that emotional safety net and a family that I think was comfortable with failure and making big bets was, I think, something that made me willing to try. The emotional roller coaster, I think, is the hardest part of it personally. I mean, there's financial risk, there's all these risks, right? As someone who was that very meticulous student, never failed, had perfect grades, did all the things right, the idea of potentially failing at something was an emotional burden continues to be one. I think a fear of failure drives a lot of entrepreneurs to be a little bit crazy, but in a good way, usually, but I think there's a balance of it's like, can be motivating, but you also need to manage that with this support in some regard. That's like, wait, but if you do fail, what's the worst that can happen? Did you fail for the right reasons? And I think that's kind of the thing I ask myself now that I'm four years into this. Initially in the earliest days of a company, In Tia's case, we had one customer, which was the consumer, the female user, and then patient. And so we had to figure out how to tell a story to her. And instead of actually telling a story to women, we actually built a platform that let them tell their stories to us. And then we used that in a way to share those stories with the world. I think that was one of our big differentiators from a brand perspective. And I think women often feel like they're being told by other people, predominantly men, what other people think they want. And what we did is we said, I'm a woman, my co-founder is a woman, but like, you know, 
you may want something different and let, let's build a platform, but let's you share your story. And I think that was really interesting. And then it's evolved and we decided to open up, you know, become the doctors. So we had to go tell stories to doctors. And that was a totally different story that we had to tell about how you're changing medicine, how you're delivering higher quality care at lower costs, how you're using technology to empower, not replace providers, these sorts of things. Flash forward to we're raising a series A financing. We had to go tell a story to the investor community about why TIA is going to be a billion dollar business and why we aren't just a cool clinic in New York City, but a truly a, a technology platform that's changing the face of women's healthcare. And flash forward to where we are now, which is actually in the process of partnering with so many other constituents of healthcare, insurance companies, employers, health systems, and saying, how do we take our very engaged female consumer base and deliver her a connected care experience across the entire ecosystem? And that's a very different story as well. So if I've learned one thing on the journey to become a healthcare founder, it's you have to figure out how to create aligned incentives between all the different customers of healthcare. And healthcare dies typically with misaligned incentives. And so if you can build a product and a business that gives women what they want, but also benefits providers and health systems and payers and employers and figure out how to tell all those different stories together, you have something really powerful. My story is one of evolution and iteration. I, Tia, when I jumped out of that airplane, is so different than what Tia is now. The, the vision of transforming women's healthcare was the same, but the how, the what and the how, I, I didn't know what that was. I thought I did, but I was wrong. And so I think what's kind of sustained me and allowed us to build a very successful product that meets the needs of all these different constituents and can evolve in real time to the continuously changing world and pressures, COVID-19, the events of 2020, it doesn't, you don't stop iterating. It's like every day you're iterating is an obsession with the problem. And so when you hit rock bottom, when you, you feel like you just feel stuck, the trough of sorrow, I think they call it that founder's experience, whatever it is, you hit it, you, you lose that deal, you get, you know, your hundredth rejection from an investor, whatever it is, if you're obsessed enough with the problem, I think you find a way to iterate out of it and continue to build something that matters to your customer and to uphold the vision that you want to create. First of all, is my co-founder. I don't think I started uh, Tia with one of my best friends, which is a unique experience that has is a beautiful one, but challenging in its own right. But it's enabled, I think, me to personally and Tia and us collectively to kind of hit rock bottom. And we kind of take turns hitting rock bottom sometimes, which is valuable to have the other person like pick you back up. So having a co-founder, both in terms of sharing the workload, but the emotional burden, I think is huge. Finding space for joy in your life outside of Tia, even though it is like my life and, you know, my baby and all of that is a struggle, but important too, to, to not burning out and through those tough times, especially find the drive to keep going. Her Story is a podcast produced by Think Medium. For more stories, tune in every Wednesday. Please subscribe to Her Story on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. You can also access Her Story episodes and video on YouTube and other mediums on our website, thinkmedium.com forward slash Her Story. Be sure to rate and review Her Story so we can continue bringing you stories from inspiring women leaders across the country, expanding our vision of what is possible in healthcare. In addition to subscribing and rating, 
We found that podcasts are known through word of mouth, and we appreciate your spreading the word to friends, family, colleagues, and mentors who might be interested. For questions and suggestions about her story, contact us at herstory@thinkmedium.com. Thanks for listening.